Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, welcome to Manchester where there's excitement and a little bit of rain in the air. And we're one night out from the fourth Ashes test. And after funky declarations at Edgbaston, stumping spirits of cricket craziness at Lords, and 96 mile an hour adrenaline at Headingley, the big question is what on earth is about to happen at Old Trafford? is past the crease and it's a flash pass point football! Chris Wokes has done it for England. He smashed the ball to the boundary to seal the comeback win for England. It was another I was there day as Headingley once again conjured up some heroic performances as England got past Australia to win the third test and keep this series alive. I think because of both teams are, are making mistakes making for a much better series well I think if we win this one and then go into the last game 2-2 then it'll be hard to not say that this has been the, the best men's Ashes series in a long time if not probably the best speaking to the amount of people even just on the streets or around the stadium how highly everyone's speaking about the series and how much they're loving it it's awesome I've, I've never been part of a series where it's had that much positive attention it's obviously going to be challenging batting three against Australia with the best bowling attack in the world and but I would say Having done it in county cricket, I know it's completely different, but it's not alien at all. I've done it before for England as well, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. 41, I won't be, I won't be out there at 41, I know that much. We expect the same old Jimmy Anderson to, to come at us again, and the skill that he has is sort of unrivaled um, here in England, so it's, yeah, it's an amazing career. Excited, I mean, back here, Old Trafford, bowling at um, his end, that's named after him. I think he's very excited for this week. Well, there are the views of uh, Ben Stokes and Josh Hazelwood, Pat Cummins, amongst others. Moeen Ali as well, who's going to be playing in the false three. A uh, phrase coined by Will McPherson in the Daily Telegraph. You're listening to Following on Ash's Inquest. Uh, preview show tonight, and then we're going to be joined uh, by Steve Harmison over the next uh, five nights, if the text, test match goes that uh, far. Harmy. Well, first up, uh, well, let's talk about the teams first off, because uh, one of the big uh, questions was about Jimmy Anderson. And as you uh, predicted, he does make his way back into the side ahead of Josh Tong, um, you could argue, and also Ollie Robinson, who makes way. Australia, well, they've gone with an all-pace attack. Uh, that was announced about an hour and a half ago, I think. Josh Hazelwood, we knew, was going to play. Um, but we didn't know whether Todd Murphy... 
was going to play the uh, the spinner, but instead Australia have gone uh, with Cameron Green. So a slightly different makeup to their eleven. Um, what do you make of the decisions? A little bit defensive from Australia, perhaps. No surprise, Jimmy's back. I, I, I guess you'd say. No, no surprise, Jimmy's back. I'd, I'd love Josh Tung to get in. I just couldn't fit him in. That was the thing. The way Brody's bowled in this series so far, I, he was the only one that would have been vulnerable. But no, there was no chance of, of, of Stuart Broad being left out. So unfortunately, Josh Tung just misses out. Anderson had to come back. When people said Jimmy didn't bowl very well in that um, first two test matches, yeah, they're going off the standards of of greatness. And Jimmy said he, he didn't bowl very well. But nobody bowled that well in them first two test matches on them wickets. You know, they're slightly slow, docile wickets, which didn't offer anything. So, you know, when Jimmy says he didn't bowl very well, it's his not very well is still better than a lot of people's. So the standards he set, I'm not surprised he's come back. I think he was always earmarked to Miss Headingley. Uh The Australians, I think it's a quite a sensible select, selection. I actually think it's playing... A little bit of, you know, you, you, you saw the, the tennis match that goes back. We just had Wimbledon. I think this is putting the ball back into England's court. When you look at the all-rounders, the two all-rounders, you're not picking five out-and-out seam options because Green doesn't bowl that much because of his body. Mitchell Marsh doesn't bowl that much because of his body. So I think them two will probably still only cover, like, the option of the fourth seamer. I still think, you know, between them, they cover overs of four seamers. It's not as though Pat Cummins is going to be scratching his head going, um, I've got too many seam options here because they can, you know, the, the, their bodies don't allow them to bowl. I think what Pat Cummins is more or less saying here, and I would do this if I was Australia, and, I, and I'm not saying this is a defensive. I think this is actually quite a positive. I'd be going, I'm packing this bat in the unit. If we get 450 in either innings, England have got to do something, something spectacular or potentially stupid to get back into the series by offering a declaration which would be so sort of giving it into Australia's hands, um, trying to, even if, if Australia go for it and do get a big score, England declaring um, we're behind to try and force and push the game. Ben's more or less said that. So because of the rain that's around, I, I think this is a a positive team from a, an Australian point of view because they're saying, right, we get one big score in either of these innings. We've more or less won the Ashes. Well, we've retained the Ashes. Um, I'm not sure this team would have played if it was 2-2 going into the Oval. That's, but that's why it's defensive. This is a team that's out to, to draw a match. No, I don't think it is. I think it's a, it's a team that's out there to go, right, we go and get 450 first innings. We don't 500, lose. 500, no. But what we do is we say to England, you force something. So then we win. That's what I would be saying. I'm I'm going to Ben Stokes. If we get we get run a score here, you've got to do something stupid, which would be declare a hundred behind with a view that we're going to bowl you out for two hundred and fifty to chase three fifty in the last innings, which then brings us back into the game and we knock you over, like we did at um, was it at, at, at uh, Edgebaston, and we win the Ashes. So for me, it looks a defensive, and yes, it might people might think it's defensive. But if I'm in the Australian camp here, I'm going, if we bat first and we get a big score, them next door need to win. They're going to have to do something. So they're going to have to bat ridiculous and go beyond us, which this, which obviously is a one innings for England, or which I don't think this England team can do. I don't this, think they're good enough to team, go beyond. This team, I, I, looking at that, Australia are gambling on winning the toss. They're gambling on winning the toss and batting first. But England, and, England and would I, bowl first anyway. And I'm not sure England are going to bat first anyway. I mean, that's that's not a given, but I think they should. 
I think that this is one situation where you should bat first. I think uh, Australia will bat first. Conditions aren't that bad tomorrow and Friday, tomorrow and Thursday. And the problem Australia have got here is if England do bat first, and they're the ones that score 400, because Australia are under pressure for the rest of the game. Well, you can look at it that way, but you can also look at it and go, well, we've got, they've got 400, we've got 10 batters. Pat have you Cummins, ever, have you ever Cum- been... Yeah, Cummins at 10 looks good, right? That's strong. So they're basically saying, right, we can, we can out-bat you. So if we out-bat you, then it comes down to what it normally comes down to, which would be a one-and-ends game at the end, which England enjoy. But if we out-bat you big time, then you're going to have to chase something massive in that fourth innings again. And we've, we've, we've proved with Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, a bit of green and a bit of marsh, we've got enough to knock you over if you have to chase something over 350. Because we've got batting again second innings to make sure that fourth innings, you're going to have to chase a big total. Do you think they pick this side if Marsh hasn't scored that century? If, do, do, or do you think Green just comes straight in for him? No, Green comes, comes straight in for him. But I think the way England play, I think this is the, this is the whole baseball thing. The way England play, I think Australia are going, you know what? You know, these, these will risk. They're going to risk losing the game. So make sure that we are, we are well ahead of the game if we get one big score in this test match. And I think that would be then putting the ball back into Ben's court and going, come on, Ben, you've said you'll do something ridiculous. You've said you'll force the game if we have to, go for the win. I remember you know, last week we were at you know, the great man, Alan Holyoke, and he said he remembered a game. I think it, he said he think it was against Durham, but I don't think I was playing. And he basically said he had to go into Durham's dressing room and say, right, what are you, what are you prepared to give us? And because they needed to win to win the championship. And he says, I more or less give them, I said, right, you, on a fresh pitch, when I'd rained for three days, you chase 150. And I mean, it was so ridiculous. But we had to, had to have something to give us a chance to go and win the game. Ben might have to do that. And I'm not sure Pat will play with that game. But if Pat, ben, ben Stokes goes, you know, it's been raining for three or four days. We need to bowl you out on the, on the sort of fourth innings. We'll give you 120. Let's have a game. Pat Cummins is going to go 120 to win the Ashes outright, right now. I think Pat Cummins would take that. And that's something that would potentially have to happen if they have a little bit of rain, if the contest gets shortened. These are the things that will be going through Ben's mind because England have got to win to stay in the Ashes. And that's why having a big batting unit, players, especially the way England play and the decisions that Ben makes, I think that plays a lot onto England's ego. Do you want to? How far do you want to push this contest? And I think we've seen a couple of times where mistakes have been made. And I think that's what Australia are more or less doing, putting it back into England's court and saying, right, we get a big score. You're going to have to force the game by potentially doing something which is going to be totally outrageous, especially if there's weather. OK, let's hear from Ben Stokes, who said he's determined to win this week to take the Ashes into the final game at two each. Well, I think if we win this one and then go into the last game 2-2, then it'll be hard to not say that this has been the, the best men's Ashes series in a long time, if not probably the best. So, yeah, I, I think just overall, like the takeaway Australia and England, just the cricket that's been played has been absolutely brilliant. Um, I think everyone who's watched at the ground or on TV in England or at TV at home have just really enjoyed the cricket that's been played. You know, you've seen some, some pretty special moments out in the cricket fields. You've seen some very special individual performance as well. And I guess that's what you want from sport. 
Ben Stokes speaking uh, earlier today here at Old Trafford uh, where the uh, the covers are on. There's been a lot of rain falling, but the forecast actually first two days is fine and even Friday's not uh, that bad. And if you were to add all the overs together that were played at Headingley, that match would have been over in three days. So uh, I still think all this weather talk... You know, it could prove to be a red herring, pardon the pun. Um, we've got plenty to talk about on the show. We're going to be joined by your former, one of your former teammates, Grant Jones. Um, we're also going to head over to Taunton where there's uh, cl- another classic encounter. I was listening to Michael Vaughan today. He was saying he thinks that really the Women's Ashes should be a standalone event in uh, years to come. It shouldn't sit alongside the men's ashes here. And I think actually he's got an absolute point there. I think it would uh, attract much more attention if it was uh, if it was played in the summer by itself. Uh, but that's a, a topic for another day. It's been a, a big story in the Times. I'm not sure if you've seen it, Harmony. You're going to have to have a little look during the ad break. Uh, Lizzie Ammon uh, with a story suggesting that the, uh, the NatWest Blast and the 100 might be merged uh, in a couple of years. Such is uh, the fear about uh, Major League Cricket, a tournament that we've covered a lot uh, on Talk Sports Cricket Collective. We'll talk about that very, very shortly. Um, and we're going to be hearing from Pat Cummins and also Mark Butcher. So uh, plenty to get our teeth stuck into here. Over the next hour on Talk Sport, you're listening to Following On, and this is an Ashes preview. 
World Cups, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than really an Ashes series. And this one just seems that little bit, seems to have been dialed up a little bit more than perhaps last one. So yeah, I think if we win this, it'd, it'd be kind of right up there. Ben Stokes and uh, Pat Cummins speaking uh, today ahead of the fourth test, which gets underway at uh, Emirates Old Trafford here tomorrow morning. Um, uh, there's also another uh, weather-affected crazy game of Ashes cricket taking place at Taunton. And uh, Georgie Heath has been covering the whole series for us. And uh, Georgie, well, England are continuing to battle, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it is a battle out there, but at the moment it looks like Ash Gardner, who obviously was the thorn in England's side, taking 12 wickets in the test match. Well, today she's decided it's her go with the bat, and she just hit two sixes and a four for Lauren Bell's most recent over. Expensive 17 coming off that, and she's finding the boundary again. She's moved on to 36, and Australia are currently 160 for five, and as I speak... She hits another four, Gardner. She moves on to 40. Australia on the charge. It doesn't look like any more rain is coming here. DLS is saying 174 and Australia are 164. But Gardner is on the charge. They need another 105 from 16.2 over. So unsurprisingly, this could well be another nail biter. And it's lucky it's the last one in the series because I haven't really got any nails left. <laughs> well, it was Lauren Bell whose uh, last over in the second ODI was hit for 26, I think. So uh, uh, 17 coming off of over number 27. So we'll uh, be keeping you in touch with all of the action at Taunton. Uh, but for now, I'm pleased to say that one of your former teammates, uh, the former England wicketkeeper and Ashes winner, Grant Jones, joins us on the show. Grant, thanks for, uh, thanks for being with us. First up, really, you must have been watching on... And just seeing quite a lot of the criticism that's been levelled at uh, Johnny Bairstow, and I suppose the question for you is, you know, what danger is there that it's going to affect his performance? Do you think it has affected his performance? And if not, just how do you shut out all that external noise? Oh, I'm not sure if Garant's with us. We'll... Uh be back with him very very shortly but I suppose I could ask you Harmy I mean you were a guy that was uh, you know you had so many good days but I do remember a bad day here and there you know was there ever a time when you you let the uh, the outside noise get in the head and it, and it actually affected you or were you able just to just to cut it all out and get on with your job no you got to cut it out and get, let it get out of, you know not affect you as much there's no way it doesn't affect you it, it always does and Many times throughout my career, was um, there were times where you just wanted to close the door, you wanted to you know stay in your room, didn't want anybody around you, and and you wanted to sort of work it out for yourself. But I think it's always better when there's other people around you and you've got good people around you. And um, there's a couple of times in in my career, and Garant was one of them. Garant, obviously Rob Key, Andrew Flintoff, you know Sir Alistair Cook later on, good friends of mine who, when you do have a bad day, going out for dinner, and sometimes, sometimes I'm telling you some some truths, some harsh truths do help you you sort of get through it and go through the other side of it um, and help you you know try and forget shut out what's um, not really relevant so you can put right what you what you've done wrong or what you're getting criticized for so it is a hard world it's a tough world and Johnny's finding that at this minute in time and but nothing a, a good score with a bat will uh, will fix uh, Grant Jones is with us uh, Grant I mean when it comes to criticism when you're in a position of a wicketkeeper does the fact that you're a keeper rather than a bowler 
or a batter with lots of time to either, you know, stand at third man or sit in the dressing room pondering, uh, you know, the meaning of life. Does the fact that you're a wicketkeeper and the fact that you're, you're essentially on the job uh, for so much of the game, does that actually help because it, it kind of takes your mind off things or is it very difficult to keep that external criticism at bay and not let it affect your your performance negatively? Yeah, it is tough because you're involved every game. If you make every ball, sorry, and if you make a mistake, it's, it's highlighted on all all the cameras and you know the big video screens, and also your you, you as an individual will replay that over and over. And you don't have much time though to get up to get over it because you've got to focus on that next ball, and you you also know that there's likely to be a another chance come your way, which is going to be just as important. Hopefully. You know, if you've missed a chance, you, you get that pretty quick, and you can make amends. And you know, I, I felt, you know, if I think of myself during those times, I always felt fairly fortunate that 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 was able to happen. And so, you know, with with the bowlers I had at the other end, there was always chances coming my way. And you know, and just to pick up on what Harmy was saying about when you do feel down, and if you've had a bad day, you do need your mates around you. And I do remember Manchester one specifically for me, where probably one of my lowest times on the pitch where I dropped a very easy catch off Shane Warne and was going to do exactly what Harmy said there, locked myself away in my hotel room that night and Harmy and Fred refused to let me do that. I think we went off to the Bellevue Dogs, Harmy. Yeah, we did, yeah. And, we, we cost ourselves it, a few quid, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, but it, for me, I absolutely needed it, you know, because I, otherwise I would have stayed away, you know, from everyone and locked myself in my room. And, and, and it's actually your teammates and that's what this current England team talk about so much is is how they are as a team and they will be they will be rallying around Johnny you know and and everyone for you know build them up for these last two test matches because that's what that's what it's about you're you're in the absolute pinnacle of the game but you're also under so much scrutiny and and as a wicket keeper there's so much press pressure on you if you do make mistakes that you need your teammates every single ball to be behind you I remember, I remember that. I remember that very well. There was no way we were going to let you, you sit, you know, sort of sit in your room. I remember going to the to the dogs. We didn't back many many winners. I think Fred had a dog run, and I think it went the wrong way around a track, which was <laughs> was typical of what Andrew was getting into at that minute in time. But I remember the next morning, you took that catch. You, you took it off Strauss's knee, didn't you? And it just the the sort of elation on your face and the relief off the back mm. of it. Is it as simple that a good score with a bat from Johnny or a good one-handed catch will just not forget about everything, but just give him so much confidence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and I think we all all can see it. It's not far away. He's probably just trying a bit too hard at the moment to to show us all how how good he is. And but it does take does just take something to get you into the game. And uh, you know, I I think we judge ourselves on what impact we have. And for me, yeah, that catch off Strauss's leg then sort of enabled me to boost. I went went out and batted in the second innings and. Um, you know, along that test match where I whacked McGrath for a few, few boundaries and then we declared and I remember running off and it just, I was back in the game and, and that's what Johnny will be desperately searching for, something to get him into the game, which he, you know, is showing people, listen, this is why I'm selected. You know, last year you saw what I was, saw what I was about, this is me and, and then he'll be offline. There's been a lot of talk uh about this series and holding up alongside the one that you starred in, Garant, do, do you see comparisons between the two, 2005 and 2023? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, you know, the, the two teams and the build-up, 
uh, even the you know the edge baston test I, I i was actually i was listening to it and and it had that i could sort of resonate with how people felt with that test match getting so close and it brought it brought back feelings myself and and that's what as fans we, we want we want test matches to be close and and this series has provided that and the, the whole build-up the anticipation the way that england's been playing could we do it against australia how would australia react to it so you know i've, I've loved the whole build-up and the anticipation in every test match and and the way the series is set now it's just adding to it and, and there's obviously you're a, a nice southern boy coming from, you know, down in Kent, <laughs> um, adopted from Wales, but no test matches, was it, for 2027 in the north? You know, that, that test match ahead in the last week, that tw- test match in 05, um, when 20, was it 10,000, 15,000 sold out at, um, on the last year. Um, Manchester's a great place to play cricket, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, you're right, there's something about playing up in the north. I think they, you know, one, they're, they're really sort of, they know their cricket, but they also go to enjoy it, you know, fancy dress days and, and just the anticipation of each ball. And then they, the, the nuance of the match of the ebbs and flows, they really get into it. So it's, yeah, that's, you know, it's a desperate shame that there won't be any any test matches up that way. And, and Manchester, like you say, Harmy, that 05, we couldn't believe how many people mm. were outside the ground. We were in, in the car you know, together, weren't we? Uh, I think we're trying to follow Hoggard, which uh, was probably the best person in a situation like that. He's so mad that he got us through some tight scrapes. So it was, uh, but um, but yeah, I, I love playing at, at at Old Trafford. It's um, you know, it's it's a special place, the the history of it, and and also the wicket. I, I I enjoy the sort of bit extra bounce and pace. So hopefully this this one will be likewise. Brilliant stuff, Goran. Thanks so much for joining us uh, on the show this evening. Um, a real fascinating insight. There's a, a good piece in the Telegraph from Michael Vaughan talking about, uh, you know, really drawing comparisons about the way that uh, he brought uh, Grant into your old side, Harmy, um, uh, in much a similar way that, that Bairstow has been brought in ahead of Ben Folkes. Uh, I can tell you there's been a big moment as well. We'll be crossing back to Georgie Heath very shortly. But uh, when you were lost, uh, or we were lost with Georgie, she was talking about Ashley Gardner. Well... Uh, her 24-ball cameos just come to an end. Three fours, two sixes, 41, but she's just been run out. So Australia women have lost their sixth wicket. They need 103 from 16 overs. We'll be crossing back to Taunton. We're going to be hearing from Mark Butcher, hearing from Moeen Ali, and plenty more uh, here on Following on uh, Ashes Preview. You're listening to Following on Ashes Preview here on Talk Sport, but let's uh, head straight to Taunton. Uh, where Georgie Heath has got an update about uh, a dismissal involving Ashley Gardner. Yeah, Ash Gardner, she was on the charge, but she was run out brilliantly by Danny White, and it was just what England needed. She looked like she meant business. She was run out for 41, so out in the middle at the moment, Annabelle Sutherland and Georgia Wareham, who have both proved themselves so far in this series. They're ticking along nicely. It could prove that that... 17 run over from Lauren Bell. Again, an expensive over from Bell, as we saw in the previous game, could be pivotal in this chase. So Australia, they still need 82. But in with these two in the middle, anything could happen. Australia currently 187 for six. Sutherland and Wareham in the middle, 82 needed to win. 
Thank you very much, Georgie. Right, following us uh, at 8 o'clock here on Talk Sport, it's a transfer insider. This is Addy Oladipo and Rory Jennings discuss the latest transfer news and rumours. Uh, Addy is uh, joining us in the studio. What's coming up on the show, mate? Yes, thank you very, very much. So, yeah, as you said, me and Rory Jennings from 8 o'clock till 10, very busy uh, as always. Uh, we are going to talk about Brighton rejecting uh, Chelsea's opening bid for Moises Caicedo. 70 million isn't enough to have a conversation for Caicedo. The football world has gone mad. I, I think that's fair price, but obviously Brighton want a bit more for him. We're going to talk about Manchester United as well. Looks like they're close to getting their number nine, Hoyland from Atalanta. Um, it doesn't excite me. Should it excite Man United fans? I'm not quite sure. I remember United always getting your talisman, your best number nines in the world. They seem to have taken a step back from that. And we're going to talk Saudi Arabia. Um, they are looking at Luis Diaz now. Not only, not, not just Fabinho and Jordan Henderson, they want Luis Diaz as well from Liverpool for around £50 million as well. So a uh, busy show, a bit of Chelsea, a bit of United, a bit of Saudi Arabia. And obviously we're going to be taking calls throughout the show as well. Brilliant stuff. Well, that's coming up between 8 and 10 o'clock uh, with uh, Rory Jennings and Addy Oladipo. That's a transfer insiders. Right, if you love talk sport, join the club today to link your Alexa and talk sport accounts. Just say, Alexa, ask news broadcasting to log me in. We'll send a link to your Alexa app. You only need to do it once, and then you'll become a part of the club of the world's biggest sports radio station, which is, of course, talk sport. Right. Uh, earlier today, well, actually, it's not even earlier today. It was about an hour and a half ago. Uh, Sam Ellard, who's been up here in Manchester for the last couple of days, caught up with the legend that is Mark Butcher, who's uh, obviously a part of Sky Sports Cricket set commentary team and talk sport twos. And he started by asking him about Jimmy Anderson returning to Old Trafford and if he can find his form. People have been writing his um, his cricketing obituary for a very long time now, um, and it'd be just like him to sort of come back out and, and find find that little bit of snap, that little bit of movement, and, and make the new ball talk here um, at Old Trafford. Uh, and, and let's face it, if it if it doesn't work out, then you know, then it might be right. It might be might be time that that it is that it is over for for, for Jimmy. Will he? Think, well, he made that decision himself. He's not going to get. No one's going to sit him down and say you've had a bad series. We're looking to move no. you on. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think some of the comments that he made um, before the team was announced and before they made the made the decision, you know, re, um, you know, he doesn't expect to be picked on sentimentality and all that yeah. kind of stuff. You know, he's, he's a he's a he's a big boy. He, he understands how it works. Um, and if you know, if you to get through to the end of the Ashes series, and, and you know, God forbid, England don't don't level the series up and the ashes are gone um, and once again you know he, he finds it difficult to, to sort of make any sort of inroads and then it would be the perfect time probably but but let's not let's not go there right eh? let's yeah. let's let's have hope he's got uh, stumps cartwheeling um come uh, come tomorrow two guys who maybe were under a tad bit of pressure coming to this series Ben Duckett, not under pressure, but Zach Crawley will certainly, maybe not, perhaps Ben Duckett. But they've gone quite well, haven't they? Yeah. I know Zach hasn't got that big score yet, but have you, as a former England batsman, been, been impressed with what you've seen from Crawley and Duckett this summer? Yeah, I think they've, I think they've looked as good as any of, of, of our top-order players, the, the pair of them. Um, and, you know, what would, be, what would be fantastic, wouldn't it, would, would be to, to, turn, um, to turn some of those really good starts that they've had into, into telling... Partnerships. I've, I've liked the tempo that Crawley's batted at over the course of the series. Um, you know, he, he hasn't. I think he's done a little bit of work technically um, in terms of in terms of leading a little bit more with his left shoulder. He just seems to be a lot more balanced getting into the ball, uh, and his judgment looks pretty good. And the bat's coming down a lot straighter. Uh, and Duckett's a he's a he's a real fighter, isn't he? A real scrapper. 
um, and has sort of got them got them bowling in areas that he likes at the moment. You know, I don't, I don't think they bowl particularly well at him, but that's been an absolute tribute to the way that he's played and counter-attacked the whole time. So that the pair of them are working really nicely. Short guy, tall guy, bowlers having to change their length, um, and that's been a that's been a massive plus. Yeah, one opener in the series who hasn't gone so well is is David Warner of Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to stick with him. He's going to play in this fourth match. There was some talk that maybe they could have got quirky and Cam Green could have come in for him and he could have opened. Are you surprised that the Aussies have, have stuck with him? Is that the right call? Yeah, I think I think it is. I think um, you know over, over the over the course of this while the, while the LV Ashes series is still alive, um, I think it's right that he, that he stays in the team. I think the whole broad thing has been fantastic, hasn't it? But you know the. Athers is hoping that he plays anyway because he, <laughs> yeah, he course, wants yeah. to knock him off <laughs> off the top of the charts for uh, for being dismissed by a, a single bowler. Um, but I just think I'm, I'm not entirely sure that whoever they replace him with is going to go any better. I mean, they've got two left-handers in Renshaw and Harris to come in. Um, uh, Warner's caught brilliantly at slip. Sure. I mean, yeah. I know I know you don't you don't get picked for that as an opening batter, but he, and he hasn't looked that bad to be honest. He's kind of he's had a, he's had a couple of decent starts and, and whatever, and I'm and I'm not surprised at all. The, the one thing that has surprised me, and I, I mentioned it at the very beginning, was it was them playing both of the all rounders. I think they I think they bottled that a little bit. Really? Uh, yeah, I do, I do, um, because you know Cam, Cam Green is kind of like the golden boy and everything, and Mitch Marsh has had to sit and wait his turn. He got his opportunity. He made a hundred. He picked up a couple of big wickets to, over the course of the, the, the series, and it's kind of done in one game more than Cam Green did in the first yeah. two. Um, and so, you know, for me, this is why I think that the Aussies are a tiny bit spooked by all of this, is because in the past I cannot remember them ever playing a playing a Test match here in England without a specialist spin bowler. Um, and so they've kind of gone down the road of trying to, uh, you know, for, to make in football in parlance, they've pl- tried to play, try to play Skulls, Lampard, and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and Gerrard, all, like, all in the same midfield, and kind of uh, gunged up yeah. the works by doing so. My final question, but you know, you're a busy man. If it does go two-two to the Oval, it will set up perfectly. <laughs> does this have to go down as the best Ashes series we've ever seen? Does it then top 05 if we're set up perfectly at the Oval? Well, um, the difference between here in 05 is, is pretty stark and that is that 05 had the weight of, of sort of 19 years of, of history behind it I think it might have been longer than that what was it it was 86, 87 all the way up to 05 so yeah something like that yeah nearly 20 years of Australia battering England now of course that's not been the case you know England have had have, have, have more than held their own against Australia in the last in the last 20 odd years um but but what this would what this would be would be the, the people f- having that same heightened sense of excitement um, over the, over an Ashes series without needing all of the historical baggage behind it. It has been simply because of what they've seen right in front of their faces over the course of the of the, of the Test matches that have been played, and that would be really something um, and a massive vindication for um, you know for the way that, that Ben and and Baz have decided that they want to play test cricket in a way that gets everybody excited whether you're a you know whether you're a fan whether you prefer t20s or whatever that you can't fail to have watched what we've seen and kind of not had an opinion about something you know there would be something about it that you either loved didn't like thought was ridiculous um or thought was disgusting you know whatever (laughs) you can't it's very difficult to sit on the fence when you're watching when you're watching this team play and so that would be the, the the thing um, 05 was incredible that was historical there was the whole sort of narrative around that this will be the most extraordinary summer that stands all by itself 
doesn't need the history, doesn't need anything else. It's just been, wow, Test Match Cricket's pretty good, huh? What a way to finish. Oh, yeah. That's Mark Butcher. Good old Mark. Um, speaking on behalf of LV Insurance, title sponsors of this summer's LV Insurance Men's Ashes series. So big thanks to them and him. Uh, I mean, he talked about so many different aspects. Great to see that he agrees with, with me in terms of the Australian team selection. Uh, they're bottling it, Harmy. Uh, Warner. Warner, he had to play, didn't he? He absolutely had to play. And do you know what? I would have been, I would have been really disappointed if that had been that. I think... I think I'm not saying he deserves a send-off. Well, I'm not saying he des- well, he, sh- he deserves a send-off from England fans, and you know the kind of send-off I mean. Um, I I don't want to see Warner celebrating at the Oval or at Old Trafford. But if that was to have been the, it for uh, one of the great careers over the last 10, 15 years, then it would have been a real sense of anticlimax. Yeah, it would, and uh, the same with Broad and Anderson. If it if if this is the end of if Australia win this Test match. Um... Look, I, I think the right decision was to play Jimmy. The right decision was to play Warner because while, like Budge says, the series is still alive, you play champions and champions do stand up and only one side of champions can stand up this week. I hope it's not David Warner. I hope it's Jimmy and Stuart and they get their chance to go to the Oval because I think like what Ben's been saying and like what Budge is saying there, yes, this would be this would eclipse 2005. Um, the drama that's gone this year, the cricket that's been played, it's been magnificent. It's been edgy seat stuff. So every single deer has gone down to the wire, which has been, which has been fantastic. But I would, I, I, I'm with you. I don't want Warner's career to finish, finish here. I don't think he's, I don't think he's batted brilliantly, but I don't think he's batted catastrophically. I think he's he's batted like a lot of the batters have bat, done in this series so far, where they've looked good and a good bit of bowling's got them out or a poor shot. The way poor these teams play positively, it's been a positive series, um, and you know players have tried to get on with it. And when you do that, you, you you tend to make mistakes, and that's what a lot of the batters have done. And I think you've got to praise the bowlers in this situation because, like 05. And like this series, the bowlers have been fantastic. They've been absolutely brilliant. And I know 05, you had the, the, the S. Butcher saying the narrative of 20 years, but you had Shane Warne. You had, when, you get, when you've got a series with Shane Warne in it, it's, yeah. just, it's just magical. It's mesmerising. Um, and obviously we had our own ways of combating that. He got 40 wickets. Our leading wicket ticket was 23. So bowlers do make test series much, much better when they're a little bit on top. Not hugely on top but a little bit on top so fingers crossed Warner carries on Broad gets him out England go on and win and we go to the Oval fantastic series um, and we keep everything alive well said Um, there was of course one other difference between 2005 uh, and uh, 2023 and this is a good Australian side but that was the greatest side of them all in the history of Test Cricket you could argue uh, West Indies throughout the 80s and early 90s of course but uh, it was the end of a dynasty or certainly was about to become the end of a dynasty another truly great uh, Australian side is in action as we uh, as we speak in Taunton and we've got some big news coming out of that the final ODI the final match of the Ashes series will be crossing to Georgia Heath very very shortly here on following on Ashes preview the best bowler we have and we've had over the years obviously him and Brody have been outstanding but Jimmy's Jimmy and I thought actually even in the first two games he played I actually thought he bowled really well in, in both of them it's not like when he 
when he feels like, or when people say he doesn't bowl well, he doesn't go for any runs. Uh, he goes, still goes at two and does a great job. And then if he picks up a few wickets, and I think he's been a bit unfortunate with catches and uh, things probably not going his way. But there's no doubt England are a better team with James Anderson in there. 41, I won't be, I won't be out there at 41. I know that much. Oh, it's amazing. Longevity in the game is is something that's huge. I don't think you realise it until you actually play for quite a while, but however many test matches he's up to now, it's it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, he's obviously uh, here at his home ground as well, so we expect the same old Jimmy Anderson to, to come at us again, and the skill that he has is sort of unrivaled um, here in England, so it's, yeah, it's an amazing career. Moeen Ali, England's uh, false number three, and jo Josh Hazelwood, who's going to be back in the Australia side for this uh, fourth Ashes test. Speaking about Jimmy Anderson, um, I've just realised how excited I am about watching Jimmy Anderson bowl tomorrow. Uh, tell you what, we could talk about that in a second. Let's head over to Taunton, though. Georgie Heath is watching uh, what it sounds like is going to be the end very soon of the, uh, the third ODI. Yeah, very much so. England are on the brink of something here. Australia are now 197 for nine. They still need 72 to win. They've only got one wicket in hand. Lauren Bell, she's expensive earlier, but she came back. She's taken a wicket. Trust was put in her by Captain Heather Knight, and it was vindicated. So out in the middle, Megan Shoot and Jess Johnson, they've got to put on 72 in just under 10 overs. But England if they win this, will inflict Australia's first ODI series loss since 2013. And I was still at school in 2013, so that's a very long time ago now. So Australia currently 197 for nine, and the crowd can feel that this victory is just moments away. Australia still need 72 to win. Thank you very much, Georgie. I'd been working at TalkSport for about 10 years in 2013, and you'd been retired for four years. Uh, Harmy, so uh, so there you go. Um, <laughs> let's talk about a man who seemingly retired twice, Moeen Ali. Actually, let's hear from him first. Let's ask about. Uh, he was asked about having to bat out of position at number three for this England side. Uh, I feel fine about it. Um, it's obviously going to be challenging batting three against Australia with the best bowling attack in the world. And but I would say, having done it in county cricket, I know it's completely different, but it's not alien at all. I've done it before for England as well, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I hope, obviously, just hitting balls. I've been training quite a bit and just trying to get myself ready for a, a tough challenge against a good attack, yeah. But I, I do enjoy batting three. I think the challenge of batting three, and I think for the team, it's it's right now, it's the best thing. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to playing against these guys, that, uh, you know, and getting challenged. I know it's not easy because they are obviously very good, but one of those things, don't overthink it. Well, let's, let, I don't want to overthink it, but... I have never, I've never heard such a laissez-faire attitude to what is essentially seen as, if not the most important, but kind of up there, most important positions in Test cricket. Number three, we haven't had a decent, uh, consistent number three since Jonathan Trott, which was a long, long time ago. It's been about 10 years. It's a pivotal position. It's a very difficult position. It asks so many things of a batter, but it's, we're almost approaching this test as though it's a free hit. It's a bit like Sunil Narayan opening the batting for Kolkata Knight Riders. But that's the mad baseball world we live in, Harmy. It is, and it, it does seem as though it is a free hit. And the way Moen just talking it up there is a free hit. But I, I love listening to Moen speak. And I had the pleasure in the last Ashes of, of sitting next to him on the sofa on the TV, um, for the TV, basically summarising what was, uh, was happening out down under and talking to Mo about 
having been moved around and he was he was he was more you could sense he was getting sort of sick of the hard jobs which is just i'll do that get a, if we've got somebody to bat three mowing will do it we need somebody to bat five i'll mow and i'll do it we go to asia we're looking for two spinners in the side we need to fiddle it around well where's the hardest position mowing will do that and it did seem as though after a while we did the caribbean series and he got shunted up the order in that and then you go well if he got sick of that, you can see what this environment means to him and what a difference of uh, of a dressing room this is now. Because for somebody like Moen to go and volunteer to go and do it after being tret the way, not tret the way he had been done, but being shunted about and not given a specific role in a side which was struggling. Now he is basically saying, right, I'm going to go and take the responsibility. It's not a care, it's not a, it is a carefree attitude of free hip. Well, can it get any worse? You know, we're 20 for two anyway, so we might as well, you know, have a crack at it and see if I can, you know, make it put pressure on the bowlers by going hard at it. Um, I, I don't mind this this situation, Moen. I would like Joe to go three and Moen potentially go three in the second innings if we the game was in front of us. But you know, there's a guy who's got he's got hundreds. He's batted at three for for Worcester in in Warwickshire in the past. He's 23 runs away from 3,000 Test runs. He got 200 Test wickets in the last game. Um, I hope he goes really, really well because we're, we're talking about Broad and Anderson, talking about Moen. We're seeing we're coming to the end of careers now, and hopefully they can go out on a high. Uh, I'm going to have to break you off there. We're going to head back to Taunton. I think the final wicket has fallen, and have England beaten Australia for the first time in an ODI series since Georgia Heath was at school? Let's find out. Well, they have indeed. Oh, I mean, the memories of school, not so good, but memories of this will be phenomenal and stick with me for a while. England, they have won it by 69 runs, a really convincing win in the end, and Katy Perry's roar is reverberating round Taunton. I'm resisting the urge to jump in and join in. Maybe when I'm off air later, there'll be a bit of roaring. But England, they have beaten Australia by 69 runs here. They win the ODI series. They won the T20 series, but... The women's ashes is ultimately drawn eight all, which means Australia retain the ashes. But oh my goodness, what a series we have been treated to. England, they came into this as strong underdogs coming into this women's ashes. Australia, they just did not know how to lose. Well, England have shown them that they know how to win and they are pushing the Aussies all the way and the next few years of women's cricket is going to be quite something if this is anything to go by perhaps one of the best women's ashes series i can remember but it's been phenomenal england they win today by 69 runs australia all bowled out for 199 nat siverbrunt that that century will go down in history another nat siverbrunt century to go down in history just copy and paste that one over and over but what a series we've seen it's been an amazing women's ashes and england they win the odi series and australia they retain the ashes brilliant brilliant stuff well uh, anything that uh, australia and england women can do has uh, been more than matched by the men's so far but we are of course uh, only three tests into this five test series harmi me and you will be back following play after days one through to five, if it goes that, that far. Thanks so much for your time today. Big thanks to Mark Butcher, LV Insurance, uh, for sorting that interview out for us, and also Grant Jones for being on the show. We'll be back tomorrow after day one here at Old Trafford. And uh, what a day it could be. Uh, both teams, well, we know the starting lineups for both, but that is 
is pretty much all we do know. I'll be bringing you reports throughout on TalkSport with news of teams and toss from 10.30. There'll be uh, guests throughout the day as well. But that is uh, all we have for you here on the show. Thanks for listening to Following On Ashes Preview. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 